Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come to you with thanksgiving and praise. We come to you, Lord, looking to the Word for information and inspiration. We thank you, Father God, today that nobody leaves the same way they came in. We thank you that the impartations of the Holy Spirit are made in this place that you want to make, that the grace deposits that you want to make into each of us, they are made as well. And Father, we want to thank you today that you see and you understand and you know what every person here needs. And so we're asking that you would minister to each and every need today in the name of Jesus. And if you agree with me, say amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I want you to open your Bibles this morning to the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, if you will. This is a passage that we have looked at a good bit in the last while, looking at different aspects and things that we need to learn and grow from. Today should be, I think it will be, of course we're always open to whatever the Lord would want to do differently, but we... Uh, I believe this will be our last session on the topic of spiritual authority. This is part five. If you didn't get the other parts, I would encourage you to go online and get them. They're there free for you, and we would love for you to listen and get all of the information and put it all together. It's not possible to cover everything every week, and so I hope that you can get caught up if you need to get caught up. One of the most important spiritual keys to a successful life as a believer is to understand this great truth that we've been mentioning now for several weeks, but that we are a spiritual being. We are spirit beings having natural experiences. We're not natural beings bumping into the spiritual dimension occasionally, but we are spirit beings having natural experiences. And one of the great keys to knowing how to do that successfully and to have the blessings that God has planned for us is to understand authority, spiritual authority. We define this as the right or the freedom to legally act. The right or the freedom to legally act, that is to take action, to establish, to decree, to bind, to loose even to tear down if necessary, any number of things like that, that we legally have authority to do in such a way that we actually affect the natural realm. You see, our whole thing as believers is not living under the circumstances, living the way the rest of the world lives, doing everything the rest of the world does, and putting up with all the mess and the junk they put up with, but our our real thing as a believer is that we would walk as spirit beings in tune with God, in fellowship with God, righteous before God, in covenant with God, possessing a revelation of His Word to the point that we can actually take authority, exercise our spiritual authority, and affect change in the earth we're living in. You were never called. You were never given eternal life so that you would live under the circumstances. Amen. Our authority has been delegated by God, so there's no higher authority, but He chose to delegate His authority through the Lord Jesus Christ. When you came into Christ, you came into all that He has and all that He is, 
And that includes the authority to act in his name and to use his word. And of course, you might, you know, if this is kind of new thinking for you, you might be saying, well, what is the big deal? What is all this about? Well, this is a big deal because it allows us to enjoy everything Jesus said we could enjoy. To have everything that the New Testament says is ours. This, this authority gives us the ability uh, or the, uh, the right to move into the ability of God to see the supernatural. How many believe in miracles? I do. How many, how many believe in divine power manifesting his healing mercies? I mean, there, is so, there are so many things that God has made available to us through the power of God and through his word. And this is all delegated authority through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's all detailed in the word. Your Bible is your instruction manual. It's the owner's manual for this new creation. And it tells us what our rights and privileges are. It tells us what belongs to us. It tells us who we are and what we can do. And so God delegated this authority through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's detailed in the Word. And then it is administered by the Holy Spirit operating through us as Christ's representatives here on the earth. Now, I know that's a mouthful. I want to try to slow down a little bit and say it one more time. Our authority is the right or the freedom to legally act, take action, establish, decree, bind, loose, tear down, whatever is necessary, in such a way as to actually affect this natural realm we're living in, in such a way that God is glorified and His will is done. This authority is delegated by God through the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is detailed for us, and we're told what it is and how to use it in the Word. And then it is administered on a day-by-day basis by the Holy Spirit operating in us and through us as Christ's own representatives here on the earth. So no, you're not just an old sinner saved by grace. You're not just somebody who you hope you're going to get through this life And you hope to make heaven your home. No, you are an ambassador for Christ. You are a Christ representative in the earth. Authority is the right to act. And power is the ability to act. We have both. We have both. Our spiritual authority, we learned last week, is primarily exercised through speaking the word of God speaking Scripture, opening our mouths, and actually saying what the Word says. And yes, that's important. And yes, it's necessary if you're going to get the most out of your Christian relationship with God and if you're going to get the most out of your Christian benefits as you walk the earth. God created the world and the universe in the beginning with His words, and He gave to man the ability and the authority to choose his words and to speak his words, to communicate with intelligent language. And so God spoke his word so that it could be written down. It was written down so that we could lift it off the pages and speak it out of our own mouths in our own day, in our own time, to our own circumstance, in our own world, and see the same results today as the believers of old saw, as the great miracle workers you see in the Bible, as they saw the word of God come to pass, so can you have the Word of God come to pass in your life. 
You might not be a prophet to the nation. You might not be an apostle to the, to the world. But you are a called and anointed son or daughter of the Most High God. You have authority in your world. And the devil has no right to get in there and move in your house, move in your body, move in your money, move in your marriage, move in your family, move in your mind, or anywhere else. Hallelujah. We have authority. Praise the Lord. Now, I want us to go back to Ephesians 1. As I said, we've been there a number of times. And I want to look at this prayer again that Paul prayed. Now, obviously, he was praying at the direction of the Holy Spirit. And he wrote this at the direction of the Holy Spirit. So we can safely say this is a Spirit-inspired prayer. That means it's answerable. There's no doubt this prayer will get answered. No doubt. If you as a believer pray this prayer for yourself, it will be answered. What did Paul pray? Let's look at verse 15 as we begin. Paul said, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. If you know about the Holy Spirit, if you've done any studying about the Holy Spirit, you know that He has many um, facets. Uh, there, there are lots of things that He does and can do. But Paul is zeroing in here on the need for His revelation to us. This is not just natural revelation. This is not just something dawning on you, you know, about like maybe it would happen to you if you're doing a job around the house and you all of a sudden you figure out a better way to do it. That's great. But this is far beyond that. This is the Holy Spirit himself giving you a revelation. And remember what we said a revelation was, was the revealing of something that heretofore you haven't seen. For whatever reason, you've not seen it. And so in this prayer, Paul is praying that the Holy Spirit would allow us and help us to see some things, to understand some things that we haven't maybe understood like we should in the past. And there are three major areas of understanding that he zeroes in on. And so I would say that we should follow his lead, following the Holy Spirit. I think we could say that these are probably three of the most important things that you and I need to know about as a believer. Obviously, the world without Christ needs the revelation of the gospel. They need the good news of the simple gospel of Christ because they need to be born again. But once we are born again, and I would say that would be most, if not all of us in this room today, once we are born again, then there are some things we need to move on to know about. And these three are three of the, the top one, three of the top things, three of the most important things that we need to know. And so he begins to say in verse 18, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know, number one, what is the hope of his calling. Number two, he says, and the, what is the exceeding, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That's the second one. And number three, verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? These three things, the hope of his calling on our life is what we can do. The riches of our inheritance is what we can have. 
The power, and we find in, as we read on here in a moment, this is resurrection power, is the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead that is also available to every one of us today. Today. I know that there will be a resurrection one day after a while when we will, if we've already gone on to be with the Lord in our spirit and our bodies are laid in the earth somewhere, I understand there's a resurrection coming. But we don't have to wait till then to tap into resurrection power. The resurrection power is available to us now. The Bible says, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, then that spirit will quicken or give life to your mortal body. The mortal body is the one we're in now, by the way. Mortal means death doomed. The glorified body isn't mortal. It's not death doomed. This one is death doomed. This one is mortal. You won't live in this body forever. And the Bible says that the same power that raises Jesus, raised Jesus from the dead will give life into this body you're living in now. I could use some of that, couldn't you? All along the way, you know, I want to have the life and the nature of God just churning inside of me. And it will, it will absolutely bring health and, and, and to all of your body, through the Word of God, which is our medicine, the Holy Spirit will confirm that Word, and the power of God will work in us, and resurrection power will manifest in our bodies even now. Praise the Lord. And so, we see that the first thing that Paul prayed that we should see is the hope of his calling on our lives. You have authority. And I know this may, you might, this may seem a little odd to talk about authority and talk about this, but I think you, that we need to understand this. You have the authority from God, or you are authorized by God to pursue His call upon your life. Now, you might say, well, I, I don't really know why that's so significant. Well, if you've ever had a revelation of a call of God on your life, probably like me and many, many, many other people, you have realized that you immediately almost began to sense your inadequacy. You begin to realize that I cannot do this by myself. Amen. You begin to realize that there are other people who have done it far better, and uh, you almost maybe sometimes wonder why I even need to bother because God's got so many other folks who do it so well. But I'm here today to tell you, and I believe this is certainly a rhema word for at least one person in here today, probably more. But I'm here to tell you today that the call of God upon your life is real. The call of God upon your life is doable. The call of God upon your life will not be revoked. He will not take it back. You will be judged for the call of God upon your life. And I'm here to tell you that your greatest satisfaction and your greatest joy and your greatest prosperity will come when you pursue that call. We are not trying to decide our destinies. We are discovering the destiny that God has called us to. And I'm also telling you today, and I believe by the word of the Lord, that though you might have been discouraged in the past, and though there might have been some things that you wondered about, and, and maybe you feel like you've missed it, that you've flubbed up, as we might say, you might feel like, well, I'm not sure if God can still do all that. I'm not sure if that's still available to me. After all, I've, and then you fill in the blank what you've done or didn't do or whatever it is. I'm here to tell you today that Romans chapter 11 and verse 29 says that the gifts 
and the calling of God are without repentance. God has not taken it back. He is ready any moment. Whenever you're ready, he's ready to get on with the program. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jeremiah uh, chapter 29 and verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. I'm telling you today, God has no bad plans for you. God doesn't have any bad things in store for you. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But guess what? You have authority over the devil. And that's why I'm telling you, you are authorized to pursue that call. Now, there may be people around you that don't think you can do it. There might be people around you that would be shocked even to find out that you think or know you have a call on your life. But you're just going to have to get over what people think. And you're going to have to get over what people say. And you're going to have to forget about if they like it or don't like it, if they believe it or don't believe it, and just get your eyes fixed on Jesus and go after the call of God. Go after the plan of God. Go after the purpose of God. The hope of His calling is what you can do, and that's the greatest life you'll ever live. Hallelujah. And then he says, the second thing is the inheritance that we have. That's what we can have, in other words. It's already legally ours, but we are authorized to take it. Do you know that you are authorized to prosper? Amen? You're authorized to prosper. It's not something you have to wonder about. It's not something you have to talk God into. It's not something that He is trying to decide. He doesn't know for sure. No, there's an inheritance. And this inheritance that has been given, there is a general inheritance that every believer possesses. Whether or not you ever live in it, whether or not you ever walk in it, whether or not you ever enjoy it, that inheritance is yours. Amen. You say, what kind of a general inheritance do believers have? Well, number one, we have an inheritance that includes a new creation in Christ. We have an inheritance that includes righteousness before God. We have an inheritance that says our sins are gone, our past is gone, our sins have been remitted, and we are born again, new creations in Christ Jesus, and we have that as an inheritance. We have the fullness of the Spirit as an inheritance. Amen? We have, we have available to us the full ministry of the Holy Spirit as much as we need. And in many cases, we would look at things just as much as we would desire. If it's godly, if it's good, if it's the Word of God, then He's more than ready. It's part of our inheritance to walk in the Spirit. We don't have to live life just wondering, fumbling around in the flesh, trying to guess, hit and miss, trial and error. That's not the way that successful people live, really, If you, in God at least. It is that we find the will of God, we find the Word of God, we are full of the Spirit of God, and we do that. We do those things, and they're translated into success and blessing for us. The Holy Spirit stands ready. Part of our inheritance is, of course, I mentioned a while ago, prosperity. That's a part of your inheritance. Amen? That, that's a part of who you are. Beloved, I pray above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. That is 3 John verse 2. And we talked about this last week, how that that's an inspired prayer as well. It was written, inspired. If it, if it wasn't the will of God, then it wouldn't be in there. If we believe in inspiration of Scripture, we believe it's the Word of God, then we have to believe that's a part of the Word of God as well. Isn't it amazing how we have these verses we like and then these verses that we just stay away from? 
Amen. I tell you, I, uh, the more I learn about the Word of God, the more I realize how that there's so many things that, that are missed just because people have not heard. Because you can't believe for past actual knowledge. You can't believe for that which you don't know about. So I have an inheritance. Say that with me. I have an inheritance. You see, and a lot of people think that you, the inheritance comes, you know, when you get to heaven. It's really a strange idea because on the earth it doesn't work that way. On earth, when someone dies, if they leave you part of, the, uh, they leave you an inheritance as part of their estate, then whenever they die, you get it. Is that true? I don't know how in the world the church has this idea that I get mine when I die. No. The one who left the inheritance, the one who provided for the inheritance, has already died. The will came into force, but he rose again. Thank God he rose again to become the executor of his own estate. And he sees to it that everything he bought and paid for at the cross, everything provided in redemption, is available to us now. So we just, we're authorized. You are authorized. So why don't you start writing some checks? On your inheritance. Why don't you start going where you need to go to lay claim to what is yours? Why don't you start taking what God has already provided for you through Jesus Christ? It's bought and paid for. It's there. It's ready. It's available. And I just have to tell you, it is unlimited. It's unlimited. Hallelujah. You know, if this morning we had, let's say we had Warren Buffett here today... And, you know, he's worth, I think, about $60 billion or more, whatever. And let's say he said, he got up here today and he said, I'm glad to be with all of you wonderful folks here in Appomattox, Virginia. I've always wanted to leave Omaha and come to Appomattox. Who wants to be in Omaha when you can be in Appomattox? I am so glad to be here today. And I just want you to know that I am worth at least $60 billion today. And, um, you know, I'm going to give... A million dollars away today before this service is over. Now, you know, we'd all probably get a little bit excited until we realized that he never did say who he was going to give it to. But let's say that he said, I'm going to give to Mr. Royal here. I'm going to give Derwood a million dollars. I'm just going to give it to him. So what's he going to do? What he just did. He's going to shout. He's going to smile. He's going to rejoice. Why? Because he knows that this guy has the, has the resources and it is his will to give it to him. Now let me tell you, it is the will of God to give you your inheritance right now. And he has the resources. He would make Warren Buffett look like a beggar. There is no shortage there's nothing lacking with God. You'll never ever believe too big. You'll never ever ask too big. You'll never ever plan too big. I tell you, we are guilty probably far more times of asking for too little and planning too little than we ever were about planning too big. Amen. So I want to encourage you to plan bigger. You know, if you're trying to fit your vision, you're trying to fit your calling into a small budget, throw the budget away. You need to back up and start over. God doesn't do things by little quantities. God does things big. He is a big God, a powerful God, an awesome God. And sometimes people say, well, I don't like to hear all of that. Are you one of those prosperity preachers? Well, I'm not a poverty preacher. 
And the fact is, I don't know if you know this about ministers or preachers, and I've, I've got to be careful I don't get off on the rabbit trail and get bogged down, but I can tell you that some of those who criticize the loudest, the prosperity message, are themselves wealthy people. When a multimillionaire preacher tries to tell me that the prosperity gospel is somehow unscriptural and heresy, I don't have time to listen to garbage. And I certainly am not going to agree with that. Amen? To agree with that, that would make both of us wrong. And I don't want to be wrong. Amen? So we have an inheritance. You have an inheritance to health. Amen. Who his own self, 1 Peter 2, 24, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Peter looked back at the cross. It's already done. Matthew looked at the cross, and he said, when the even was come, or actually looked at the ministry of Jesus as it was going on, he wrote about it. He said, when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself, took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. He saw it in action. Isaiah looked ahead and saw it and said, Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, his bruises, or his blood, we are healed. Healing is a blood-bought blessing. It's a part of our inheritance. Amen. There's healing in this house today. The power of God's in this room today. The anointing of God is in this room today. You do not have to leave sick. You don't have to leave afflicted. You don't have to leave bound. You don't have to leave in pain. Because the God of heaven, the God who created your body, is able to fix it. Amen. That's all part of our inheritance. We could just go on and on and on. One, one thing I do want to mention just quickly is you have a part of your inheritance is to be led by God. To be led by the Holy Ghost. To know the will of God. To, to have Him lead you and guide you every day that you live. These are all things involved in our inheritance. So can you, can you understand a little better why Paul prayed that the Holy Ghost would help us see these things? Number one, what you can do, your calling. Number two, what you can have, your inheritance. And number three, this exceeding greatness of His power. This resurrection power. Now let's go on and read what we didn't read a moment ago, a little further in that passage. He says, uh, verse 19, we'll just start there and reread that verse and read down through the end. It says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And, it's not through, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So where is the devil? Under our feet. Let's go on chapter 2. Let's look at verse number 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us. That's Old English meaning making, made us alive. Together with Christ, by grace, ye are saved. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> 
and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's your place. If I was going to title this message further than just spiritual authority, I would call it the view from above. The view from above. You know, if you go out here in the parking lot and you look back at this building, you get a lateral view, you have one view, you see the building. You go up 10,000 feet in a, in a plane, you, you have another view. You go up 35,000 feet in a plane, there's a different view of this, this area. If you go out into outer space, a different view. In other words, the higher you go, the different your view is. And the higher you go, the smaller things below begin to look. The reason for some people having such uh, a problem with what the devil's doing, the reason some people are so overwhelmed by what the devil is doing in their life is because they have not yet looked from a high enough perspective to see it as it really is. Amen? We need to be looking, we need to keep in mind that we are looking down on the devil. You see, revelation, Paul talked about the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Revelation is knowing what God knows. It's when God allows us to see things from his perspective. And God is not down here wallowing in circumstances. God is not down here wallowing in pity. God is not down here wallowing in the curse. He is so far above all of the mess that when he looks down on it, it doesn't look like much at all. And I'm telling you, that is the perspective that you need to have. That's the way you need to be looking at these things. You need to begin to ask God, give me, Lord, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want to know my calling. I want to know what it is I can do in Christ. I want to know my inheritance, what I can have and lay claim to. And I want to know about this power that causes me to understand and realize that I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm looking down. Hallelujah. I am changing my perspective. I'm allowing myself to see from God's perspective. And this puts straight Satan and his strategies in a whole different light. Isaiah 14, 16 talks about the coming day when the devil will be revealed as he is. He will be seen and it will be understood by man what the devil is really about. And I think it's a quite an interesting passage, and I just want to read it for you. Isaiah chapter 14 and verse number 16. I'll get there just in a moment myself. Isaiah 14, 16 says, They that see thee, and this is directed toward the devil, they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying... See, this is what's going to happen one day after a while. Now, it's already happening in your life if you're walking in the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's available to you right now if your eyes are being opened by the Holy Spirit. But everybody's going to understand this one day, and they're going to consider these saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble? 
that did shake kingdoms? In other words, they're going to be surprised that this that they will see could create all that problem and stir up all that strife and cause all of that fear and dominate so many people and do so much destruction. It's just going to be amazing when people realize that that enemy has already been defeated 2,000 years ago at the cross. There is no reason that you and I have to live under his bondage. We do not have to listen to him. We do not have to obey him. We do not have to take what he offers because God has made us a new creature in Christ and raised us up and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. So therefore we don't live under the circumstances but in a place of spiritual authority and power above all these things we pray from this place we rejoice and we worship from this place we give and receive from this place we enforce the devil's defeat from this place we are not going to be seated with Christ we are seated with Christ we're not going to get righteous we are righteous we're not going to get an inheritance we have an inheritance so we are authorized to live like children of God <coughs> Sons and daughters of the Most High God. I want to close this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 because this is one of the great keys to this whole thing. Remember, Paul said that I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. In other words, that you can see. That you'll be able to understand. So obviously this has to do with something coming from our spirit that even begins to illuminate our mind. Romans 12 talks about the renewing of the mind. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul deals with some things that are in this category. And he begins, we'll start with verse number 1. I'm sorry, we'll start with verse number, um, I'll get there, verse number 3. He says, For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh. Remember what I said in the beginning, we are spirit beings having natural experiences. We are spirits who have a soul and live in a body. And though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now this isn't talking about having to go back and re-defeat the devil every day. This is not talking about having to redo the work of redemption, redo the cross, and redo the, the, the resurrection every day. This is talking about our own personal battle, if you will. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the fact that we, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The idea is that we are here as an occupying army and we've got to enforce Satan's defeat. Amen. And we have to let him know that we know. Remember the you know joke anyway. Uh, I'm not going to tell it again, thankfully. But <clears throat> anyway, you, you have to let him know that you know that he's defeated. But here's what I found in over 40 years of pastoring. This is, this is very, to me, very significant and very important. Most problems for most people, including myself. Most problems are bigger between these two appendages than they are anywhere else. 
Satan plays mind games, mind tricks, because he knows he has no real authority over you. So he's got to talk you into giving him use of your authority. He has to talk you into taking or receiving what he offers. Now, I dare say, I'm, I'm expecting, I'm supposed to have today, I'm supposed to have 72 K-cups delivered to my house. I ran out of my regular coffee. So <clears throat> next week I'll be in a better mood. No, I, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, brought, I brought one to the house yesterday and I, got, I had, had some today. So I'm not suffering, but anyway, I'm expecting a delivery. And they're going to bring me this box with 72 of those things in it. Well, I'm going to gladly receive it. I've already paid for it. I'm going to receive it. But if the UPS man came and he brought me this box and he said, this is, there's about six rattlesnakes in here. Somebody sent them to you as a gift. They, they heard you're Pentecostal, so they sent you. <laughs> that was a joke. That was a total joke. <laughs> Let's get back to the message here. What do you think I would do? You think I would accept it? Do you think I'd gladly? Oh yeah, I'm so glad you brought those. Or you know, I don't know why they sent those, but it, bring them in here. No, I wouldn't do that. Let me tell you something. When the devil comes and tells you it's a heart attack, it's cancer, your kidneys are gone, your liver's failed, uh, this is going to happen, you're going to go broke, you're going to be bankrupt, nobody loves you, nobody's going to marry you, nobody's going to help you. No, and all those lies he tells you, you need to quit signing for those packages. Quit putting your name on there. Don't allow your mouth to declare what the devil says. Speak what the Word says. Hallelujah. And maybe you do need to get up early in the morning and start dancing around. And I know I can't dance. I really can't dance. Uh, it, it's, I'm sure it's pitiful. But you know what? The Lord likes it. You, you need to get to the place where you say, God, I'm going to take what you say over top of anything the devil says. And see, Paul was saying here that there is a battle. And there are some strongholds that need to be pulled down. And then in verse 5, he tells us what they are. He says, casting down imaginations. What is it? That's mental images. That's pictures on the inside. You see, there are some pictures you need to embrace. We just read about three of them in Ephesians 1. But there are some you need to cast down. You need to cast down those pictures of you not being able to walk, you not being able to function, you not being able to go up a step, you not being able to drive, you not being able to pay your bills, you not being able to, to hold your life together. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. You need to cast down those pictures of you uh, incapacitated, unable to function. You need to cast down those imaginations of you not having a, the presence of mind to, to know how to function in your life. Amen. You, you are called by God to be more than a conqueror. So he says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And he doesn't stop. He keeps going. I mean, he's really trying to tie this up tight. 
and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You've got to take your mind captive. Because if you don't, the devil will. And you can go down a road and five minutes later you're so depressed and fearful you don't know what to do. You can start down a mental road and in just a matter of a couple of minutes you are totally in another world. You're totally thinking about something else and it's all what the devil's saying. It's all what the devil is playing in front of you and showing you in pictures. This says you've got to cast that stuff down and you've got to take your thoughts as captives. How do you cast down a thought? It's very simple. And if this is all you get out of today's message, this has the power really and truly to change your life. You cast down thoughts with words. That's how it works. You go to a gathering. Maybe somebody's going to some family reunion or some barbecue or something, maybe today or tomorrow. Maybe there's going to be 30, 40, 50 people there. And you know a lot of those people, maybe all of them. And you're going to talk to different people and visit. It's a good time, good things. Have you ever noticed, though, that no matter how many people are there, you can only talk to one person at a time and be able to understand what they're saying? Now, several people may be listening to somebody tell a story, tell a joke, whatever it may be. But if all those people were talking at once, nobody would be understanding anybody else. God created us with the ability to be able to discern, understand, appreciate, and listen to one voice at a time. He created us that way on purpose because there is but one voice that we need to hear first and foremost. Not that you don't want to hear your wife's voice, your children's voice, all that's important, but the voice to lead you, guide you, the voice to set the pace for your life, the voice that declares who you are and tells you what you have, what you can have, what's yours. That voice is the voice of God. And as long as you are listening to other people, you're not listening to God. As long as you listen to the devil, you're not listening to God. Why do you think Jesus spoke to the devil in the wilderness? I mean, he was the son of God. He took upon himself a robe of flesh, but he was sinless. No more holy person has ever walked the earth than Jesus Christ. But when the devil started talking, Jesus shut him up when he started talking. And he didn't talk trash. He didn't talk random stuff. He quoted scripture. And he shut the devil up. I give this illustration from time to time because to me it works so clearly and plainly to help us understand. But let's say for right now I'm beginning to talk. And right here at my side is this beautiful, beautiful, I'm thinking about uh, in the neighborhood where we're living temporarily right now, there's, these folks have this beautiful uh, red poodle, I guess it is, isn't it what that is? Or a, a labradoodle. Thank you. It's a poodle doodle, whatever, <laughs> labradoodle. You know, it's a pretty dog. I'm glad they've got it. I don't want it, but I'm glad they got it. Beautiful dog. And it's red, sense about that high, beautiful dog. Red dog. And on this side, I have one of Jason's white Pyrenees, great Pyrenees. It's big. What happened to the red dog when I said the white dog? Your mind immediately switched over. You forgot him for a minute, and you thought about the white big dog. How did we do that? It's not a trick. Words. If words are that powerful 
to take your thinking from one color dog to another color dog, then your words that are saturated with the almighty word of God has the power to change your mental pictures and your mental images to that which God's word says. You've got to say it. You've got to say it. That's, that's how authority really is exercised. You know, all the authority. We've got Taylor back here. He's a police officer. His authority as, as a law enforcement officer comes from words that are written down in a code somewhere, the laws of the state of, of Virginia. His authority is based on words. Your authority as a believer is based on words. But not the words of a, of a legislative body, not the order of a governor or anyone else, a president, a prime minister, a king, or a potentate, but the words of Almighty God. So when I read Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, then I'm authorized to get my needs met. I don't even have to figure out all the ways it's going to be done. I just have to, I just have to believe him and then obey whatever he tells me to do. Amen? So control your thoughts, control your imaginations, bring them into captivity, and begin to think and to talk as one who is authorized with dominion, authority, and power right now. Say this with me, and this would be a good thing just to say every day if you would. Say, I am who the Word says I am. I am what the Word says I am. I have what the Word says I have. I can do what the Word says I can do. The God of the Word actually lives in me right now. And greater is He who is in me than he that is in the world. If you believe that, give him a shout of praise right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. This makes the difference between a long life and a short life, between sickness and health, between poverty and abundance, between peace or turmoil. This makes the difference between faith or fear. Don't let the devil bind you with fear. Don't let him bind you with unbelief. Stand on the word. Every day, pray the Ephesians 1 prayer for yourself. Say something like this to him. Father, please give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you so that the eyes of my understanding will be enlightened. I want to know the hope and the call of God on my life. I want to know the inheritance that's mine now. And I want to know and experience the power and authority that I have as a believer. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. Father, as we pray before you now, as we humble ourselves before you and come to you, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would open our eyes, 
and especially about this word today, this message today. Help us to understand, to grasp, and to keep that which you have deposited in us today. For Father, you did not call us to lose, but you called us to win. Thanks be unto God, which always, not sometimes, but always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that's your plan. You've been so good to us. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed for a moment. Anybody here that doesn't know the Lord? Anybody here that's not right with God? And you want to get that changed? You want to get that fixed? We will happily, gladly pray with you, believe with you, assist you in any way we can so that you can get to that place where you are right with God. I can't save you, but I can introduce you to the Savior. I can't fix everything, but I can introduce you to the fixer. Amen? Maybe somebody that's watching at home, online, anybody, just raise your hand and say, I need Jesus. Father, if there's one watching or even here and they need you right now I pray that they would see fit to make that decision that's the most important one of life that they would ask you to come into their heart that they would repent of their sin and just let you cleanse them and wash them and make them new that's what you want to do we can't do it for ourselves we can't do it on our own but we know that you want to do that So I thank you, Lord, that as we confess Jesus as Lord and make our commitment today to serve Jesus the rest of our lives, that you come into us, you cleanse us of our sin and all unrighteousness, and you make us a new creation in Christ. We thank you for this. We praise you for this. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.